Hey everyone, welcome back to Prospect Barn. Uh, you know, with hockey out for such a long time, uh, we were too, but uh, we're back and we couldn't be more excited about it. I'm uh, Curtis Ratner. Uh, this is Jeff Blayford. Uh, this is our first episode since February 28th. This is technically our ninth episode released. Uh, we had to take a very long break, which was unfortunate. You know, it was uh, a lot of fun bringing you guys all the news about the latest prospects around the NHL and in the hockey world. But uh, obviously with the uh, pandemic, it was nothing to report new to you guys. But here we are and uh, we could not be more excited. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, like with like you said, so much happened and we've obviously wanted to talk about it. But... Uh, with no hockey, and we're not getting a ton of new updates like by the by weekly. Um, we really thought we'd just take a little break, and then we'll come back once hockey picks up again. And now uh, the the draft's right around the corner, right after playoffs. So uh, with playoffs going on and the draft following that, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, might as well start there too. Uh, there was a decent amount of news to come out of it, so it should be a jam-packed episode. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Calder race some more. Uh, we'll talk about uh, just a preview of the playoffs. Not really go too deep into that, but uh, kind of give our picks for the first round potentially, and just uh, you know see kind of where it goes. Uh, I guess we'll start with the draft, and the draft is scheduled as of right now for October 10th and 11th in Montreal at the Bell Center, but that is subject to change based on the progression of the NHL playoffs and just kind of how everything goes. Uh, so we'll be giving our mock draft for the first eight picks. Uh, those are the ones that are pretty much set in stone, you know, what team is picking where except for first, but I don't think it matters which team gets the first pick. We can all agree that Lafreniere will most likely go first, so that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, I want to start off before we get into that by just discussing the way the draft lottery works. I know I saw a lot of people all over social media uh, feeling like Detroit was kind of screwed over in that and that they were so bad, how they not get the first pick. And I understand where you, people are coming from like that. When a team's that bad, it kind of seems only fair for them to get the best advantage for the next season, get the best potential player. But being bad is not an automatic the first pick's not an automatic reward for being bad, or else teams would just tank. I'm not saying Detroit did tank. A lot of teams don't tank because of the lottery. But being bad does not automatically guarantee the first pick. Uh, if anyone really got screwed over by those rules, I'd say it was Ottawa more than Detroit because they had San Jose's first-round pick. We'll still have it, meaning they had two chances at it, uh, the 13.5% and the 11.5%, which is the second and third highest odds combined, giving them 25% to Detroit's 18.5% chance at landing the first pick. Obviously, neither of them did, but uh, I mean that that's kind of just a breakdown of how the lottery works, and I think it's the most fair way to do it so teams don't tank. And it does kind of suck for both of those teams, but that just that's how it is. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how it all went down this year. I mean, um, with them doing the draft lottery already, and uh, one of the, the top number one pick is going to be a team that's in the playoffs and like, so they're, they're saying a team that has a chance to win the Stanley Cup potentially this year is uh, gonna win the uh, gonna win the, the first overall pick, and uh, that's like game changing for a team that's like right on the right on the verge of making the playoffs anyways. Uh, if they can get a guy like uh, Lafonier, uh, like the, they should easily be a playoff team next year. He'll probably step right in the lineup, uh, no problems, because he's uh, dominated um, every level he's played at so far. Yeah, obviously Lafonier is. 
unbelievable talent and him going to a team that's already right on the verge of playoff contention uh, makes him instrumentally better right off the bat. So that's kind of interesting to see. Uh, I said I know a lot of people were upset. Detroit kind of seemed to get screwed, but that's kind of how it is. What it is, and I'm uh, I think it's exciting. I think I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who ends up with Rafinier. But uh, other than that, I think we can both agree here for the first pick. No matter who it is, Alexei Lafinier will be the selection. Uh, yeah, 100%. Unless something crazy happens, like he has a, gets injured somehow, they think it's going to be long-term. Um, that's the only way I could see him not going first overall from now to the draft. But uh, yeah, and the conspiracy theorist in me thinks uh, I don't, that like if Montreal somehow wins this pick, Toronto or even like the New York Rangers somehow get the first pick, uh, there's something wrong with the NHL. Uh, it's definitely, uh, that's that'd be very odd, and uh, not a lot of people would like that. Yeah, there's a bunch of teams that if they were to get the pick, people would just automatically jump to the conclusion that it's rigged. Like you said, Montreal, Toronto, the Rangers, I think even the Blackhawks or Pittsburgh. A lot of people would say that a bunch of these playoff uh, play-in teams that if they lose and get the first pick would uh, would jump immediately to the conclusion that the NHL is rigged, and I don't, I really wouldn't blame them. So I personally don't think it's rigged. I, I think at this point, with the way it is with all sports, if something was rigged in professional sports these days, I feel like with all the outlets and media and everything like that, it would have been le- they, it would be leaked. So I don't think that any professional league would have the ability to rig that and keep it under, you know, not from spreading out. But uh, back to Lafreniere, I mean, the kid's an absolute stud. Uh, the most consensus first overall pick we've had in a while, for sure. Uh, last year, Jack Hughes seemed like a consensus for a while, but then Kako made that push with the uh, World Championship, winning that gold medal with Finland, and just looked like an unbelievable player. But uh, I think it's very safe to say that he's the consensus first overall pick, no matter where he goes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, most people knew his name uh, before the World uh, U18s. And then uh, he, well, from that tournament on, uh, he's been a household name. So uh, just every level he's played, like I said earlier, he's uh, proven that he's the best player on his level. So um, I'm very excited to see what happens with him um, coming next season. Yeah, he had back-to-back 100-point seasons for a Muski in the uh, Quebec Major Junior League, obviously the same place Sidney Crosby played. Uh, this season recorded 112 points in only 52 games, and as well as that, put up 10 points in five games at the World Juniors. So uh, NHL comparison for him that I've been seeing a lot is Jonathan Huberto, which I understand. They're both big, similar size. Uh, I think Huberto is one of the most underrated players in the NHL, and people don't understand how truly good he is playing down in Florida. But uh, I think Huberto is an unbelievable talent, and I think Lafreniere has the ability to be just as good, if not better, than uh, Jonathan Huberto, which I know it might skip pairing him to Huberto might kind of sound like you're not fully giving Lafreniere the credit he deserves, but Huberto is incredibly underrated, and uh, if he even turns into Huberto, then whoever t- takes him will be very happy. But I think he has potential to be even better. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, overall, like it. Um, yeah, this this draft honestly isn't as deep as like we've seen in the past, uh, as of right now that we know of, but. Um, um, yeah, this kid's just as good as a lot of the number one picks we see come over over the last few years. Uh, moving on to the second pick now is the Los Angeles Kings, a team that's already absolutely stockpiled with unbelievable prospects. Uh, I'd put them right up there with the New York Rangers having the, I'd say the two of them are the best prospects in the NHL, and I personally see them adding Quinton Byfield. Uh, yes, me too. Um, he's a big, he's a big forward. Um, he's a very good player, obviously. And um, 
like just he'll bring size to a team that LA they're actually like they always have size and they're a tough team. They play uh they play hard in the puck and all in all three zones of the ice, so he should fit right in. And especially with um all the people they have coming in the next couple of years, uh they're being reloaded and probably going back for the cup in two, three years from now. Yeah, just a real quick load off some of King's prospects already. You have Alex Turcotte, who was fifth overall last year. Arthur Kaliev went 33rd in that draft. I think someone that fell to L.A. and they were unbelievably grateful to see him there at 33. He's a great player because he's easily been a first-round pick. Uh, Rasmus Kupari, Tobias Bjornfoot, so many other guys. Samuel Fogemo, uh, Akil Thomas scored the game winner in the gold medal of the uh, World uh, World Juniors this past season. Mikey Anderson, solid defenseman, played great for the U.S. in the World Juniors a few years ago. Uh, they have, they're have they just so deep with prospects, and they have a decent amount of young talent in the NHL already with um, Alex Ayafalo, Adrian Kempe, players like that. So uh, I think adding Byfield would be absolutely huge for them. I think he's an unbelievably talented player, uh, comparable to Evgeny Malkin. I think if he reaches anywhere near that level, then he'll be an unbelievable player in the NHL for a long time to come. And uh, I guess there's definitely some... Uh, some debating as to who could go second, but for me at least, I believe it will be Byfield. Uh, yeah, every, everywhere I'm looking, uh, he's number two overall, and uh, I'd be pretty shocked if he didn't go two. And um, if he doesn't, I mean, Ottawa's right there at third. I guarantee they snatch him up in a second. Um, yeah, he's just an unbelievable player. His big body, like I said, um, he can pretty much do anything on the ice. So um, LA Kings are looking like they're going to get a great player. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the third pick now, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, one of the teams we just talked about getting kind of screwed over by these rules, having two chances at the first pick. They ended up with three and five, so obviously two chances to grab an unbelievable talent. Uh, I think with the third pick, Ottawa will select German forward Tim Stutzla. Uh, yes, I 100% agree with you there. Uh, German forward. Uh, we see them. They're becoming a legit country that produce an NHL player, especially with Dreisaitl. Uh, looking like he has a very good chance of wearing the Hart Trophy this year in the NHL. And uh, this guy's coming in uh, look, looking to follow his footsteps. Yeah, the uh, the German ho- German hockey has never been bigger than it is right now, that's for sure. They never really thought of it as a hockey country. Uh, like you mentioned, Leon Dreisaitl, one of the best players in the NHL. Uh, he selected third overall in 2014. He had a career high 110 points in 71 games this year. He won his first Art Ross trophy. He's nominated for both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay. Uh, fast forward four more years, you had Dominic Bach go 25th overall to St. Louis. He had a promising World Junior this year. It looks like he could be good. And then just last year, Moritz Cedar, 6th overall to Detroit, which a lot of people thought was a reach. He was projected around 15. I uh, saw him as high as 22 in some mock drafts, but obviously ended up at 6. Uh, he had a very impressive season in the AHL for the Griffins. Uh, great World Junior Tournament with six points in seven games for Germany. Uh, obviously, you can't tell exactly what he'll be at the NHL level, but the pick looks a lot better now than it did a year ago. And then fast forward to this year, um, Tim Stutzla. It's just unbelievable how much good talent the Germans have produced seemingly out of nowhere, and I think this kid has the ability to be a very good player for a very long time in the NHL. Yeah, me too, 100%. And, uh... Just a couple of things I've read about him. He's not a great in his defensive zone. Um, and one more thing is he he does need to get a little bigger before he uh, becomes like a full-time NHL player. Uh, just a couple of things I'm hearing out there. But overall, it's, he should be a great player in the NHL. And um, Ottawa will 
get a must-needed uh, skill forward. Yeah, his NHL comparisons. Think someone like Matt Barzell or Mitch Marner. Uh, obviously, not a lot of whole size on him. He's not a very big guy. Only 5'11", 187. But uh, great speed, great playmaking ability, just all-around solid hockey player. Like you said, the defensive zone does need to get tuned up a little bit. But uh, his ability to make plays in his hockey sense is as high as anyone's in this draft. And uh, one, in my opinion, one of the best players in the draft. So obviously, third overall pick. Uh, if whether it's uh, Stutzla or Byfield, Ottawa cannot complain with who they're going to get there. Exactly. Can't agree any more. Uh, Want to move on to the fourth overall pick? Uh, yeah, fourth overall is the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, obviously, horrific season for them. Just couldn't figure it out whatsoever. It seems like they were. I mean, I can't. The last time I remember a team being this bad was the Avalanche, and I'm not even sure what year that was. Maybe 15 or 16. I, I could be getting that year wrong, but. I think we all remember that how bad that Avalanche team was. But uh, this is the worst thing I've seen since then. They, uh, I mean, they have they have pieces, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think they're anywhere near a playoff team at this point. Uh, obviously, you got guys like Larkin, Mantha. They're still relatively young. Um, Mord Cedar, who we talked about, was just drafted last year. But I think this year they add Cole Perfetti, uh, undersized winger out of Saginaw in the OHL, only 5'9", 179, but this kid skates like the wind. Yeah, exactly. I can't agree with you more with this pick. Um, definitely uh, Dylan Larkin needs someone to play with um, on his line, and he need, like, they need to turn around fast. So this kid could be a great fit. A very skilled uh, small forward, but uh, there's plenty of smaller forwards in the NHL these days that have great success. Um, he's, he's not afraid to go to the dirty areas either. Um, he could definitely make some noise in the NHL. Yeah, one thing I found very interesting is TSN's Craig Button gave his player uh, comparison to Artemi Panarin, which I think is extremely high praise for someone who is obviously a little bit smaller than Panarin. Panarin's not a huge guy, but only 5'9". Panarin's got a couple inches on him. Uh, I think Cole Perfetti has unbelievable hands. I'm not sure if the hockey sense or IQ is quite at Panarin's level, but obviously that can develop with time. Uh, Something I thought worth noting, though, that uh, Craig Button is someone that has very, very high hopes for Perfetti. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's that's a pretty uh, unbelievable comparison, especially because Panera's up for the Hart Trophy as well this year. Um, but yeah, I've also heard of names like uh, like Jeff Skinner and even like T- Tara Vinen. So uh, both uh, pretty really good NHL players. Yeah, exactly. The biggest thing you can take away there is that Jeff Skinner and Terevu uh, Teravainen. They're both very smooth skaters, along with Panarin. So uh, great skating ability, great speed. But uh, I think uh, I think Panarin's a little bit of a higher high player comparison for someone that is uh, I don't know I think a little bit a little bit unproven compared to the rest of these guys on this list so far. Uh, moving on to the fifth pick, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I think this is very interesting. I think they will take Jamie Drysdale, the best ranked defenseman in this draft. I really do. But having the third pick already and taking a skater with uh, with Stutzla, I do think that there's a slight chance they go with the top goalie, and that's Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, I don't think you'll see a goalie go this high. Uh, I can't remember the time a goalie went this high. Spencer Knight went 15 last year to Florida, and before that, the first time we saw a goalie in the first round was Vasilevsky. He was 19th to Tampa in 2012. But uh, Ottawa needs a future goalie. Every, every team that we've listed so far pretty much has that future goalie. They have someone that they can rely on for the rest of uh, for the near future at least to uh, to solidify them in net. Uh, you go down the rest of this list, Anaheim, New Jersey, Buffalo all have future goalies in their system as well. 
So if anyone were to take Askarov, I think it would be Ottawa, but I still I don't think it's going to happen. It's just something I can see as a off the you know out of left field possibility. But I think they go with Jamie Drysdale. Uh, he compares himself to Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, and rightfully so. I'd say there's a lot of similarities in all three of their games. So, uh, I mean, anyone that's getting those comparisons to a defenseman right now, and they're both obviously up for the Calder, both having unbelievable rookie seasons, it's uh, hard to really say anything bad about Jamie Drysdale right now. Um, actually, I have uh, Jamie Drysdale going uh, next uh, six overall, uh, and I actually have Lucas Raymond going Two Ottawa Senators, uh, very skilled Swedish player, um, unbelievable um, in all three ends of the ice. He's very fast. Uh, they kind of look at him like a William Nylander type player. Um, has very high potential in the NHL. Um, and I know, yeah, that once you get to like the fifth, sixth, seventh pick uh, from there on, the, the top ten, any of those players could pretty much go anywhere. Uh, but yeah. Um, really like him. Um, I like him stepping in on Ottawa uh, quickly and uh, make a difference for that team. Yeah, uh, if they were to select um, Jamie Drysdale in Ottawa, it would give them a potential future top four of Drysdale, Lassie Thompson, and then you obviously have Thomas Shabbat and uh, Eric Brandstrom, which would be an unbelievable future top four. Uh, I could also see them taking Lucas Raymond. We just had those picks flopped. I had Lucas Raymond going six to Anaheim. But uh, I could see it going either way. Definitely, they're both unbelievable players. Lucas Raymond is the guy, actually, that, uh, you know, when the initial draft rankings came out after before this whole season started, he was someone that was thought to be pretty much a top three, top three pick, possibly even second behind Lafreniere. So his stock did fall a little, but uh, none need to say, just great player, uh, unbelievable talent, like you said, just uh, very, very deceptive, very smart, and uh, I could definitely see him going fifth or sixth. So I don't, I don't think either one of those is by any means a, a bad take, and we just see what happens. Uh, yeah, 100%. I can't agree more. Uh, only thing about Lucas Raymond, I think he is 5'10", which is a decent size for NHL forward now, but 168 pounds uh, is pretty light. He probably has to bulk up a little bit for uh, making his NHL debut. But other than that, I mean, he's a great player. I don't think Ottawa can really make a wrong decision at uh, this point in the draft. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have two picks here, so they're going to be coming out with two guys that will be huge for the future of rebuilding. They already have young talent on the roster. Uh, I think they add some more and keep uh, keep drafting well. You know they'll uh, they'll turn it around to a lot of people with a quicker thing, a lot quicker than people think. Uh, so now we just did fifth and sixth. So seventh overall is the New Jersey Devils, and I am taking Alexander Holtz, another Swedish forward, uh, much bigger, six foot one eighty three, kind of like a Patrick Line, just pure sniper esque. Uh, I think Holtz is a great player and someone that could help the Devils for a long time if they just select him. Yeah, definitely. And um, he's like he's a very responsible uh, hockey player. He doesn't really make a lot of mistake, mistakes. He's a avid back checker, and uh, he's also very good with the puck. And um, again, yeah, like you said, um, I don't really think they make a mistake with them. And uh, he definitely has uh, some very good um, comparisons in the NHL. Ones I'm seeing like. We said earlier, Jonathan Huberto and also um, Vladimir Tarasenko. So uh, those are pretty impressive uh, comparisons. 
Yeah, he put up nine goals in 35 games this year in the Swedish Elite League, which is still very impressive as an underage guy. Uh, a lot of people hear these stats about people not putting up that high numbers and they think, oh, this kid's going to be a bust. He didn't score that much. You have to realize that they're 17, maybe 18 years old, playing against grown men. The Swedish Elite League is no joke. It's right on par with the American Hockey League, I'd say, pretty much. The KHL, all those leagues are very, very comparable. So I, th I think that those numbers were impressive for me, at least, and someone that I think can still turn out and to be a great NHL player. And obviously it's so hard to truly understand what these guys are going to be at this age. You know, you see players going in these top picks that do often become into busts, but uh, Alexander Holtz is a guy that I think with his size and his just ability to play the game from what I've seen, he should be a, he should have no problem adjusting to the NHL hockey. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you too. And uh, yeah, most of these players, like at 17 years old, uh, playing in a, like a professional leagues, so, um, they're not going to put up uh, 30 goals a year. They're going to they're gonna be grinders, and they're gonna like try to just work. They're trying to work on their game, to be honest. And most of these guys don't really come into their own until about 20, 21 years old, maybe twenty-two. So, um, yeah, but I'm excited for him, and um, it looks like if he goes to New Jersey, it'd be a great pick. Okay, this is the last pick we're gonna do. The Buffalo Sabers, eighth overall. There is so much going on with the Buffalo Sabres right now. You hear Jack Eichel trade talk seemingly every day. I don't know if those people bored during their quarantine or whatever, but every single day you hear people, see people on Twitter coming out with new potential Jack Eichel trade offers. Jack Eichel here, Jack Eichel there. Uh, he obviously came out and uh, spoke publicly about how upset he was, how tired he was of losing, and uh, the public just ran with it. I think that if they don't make the playoffs this upcoming season, it would not shock me if he leaves. Uh, but regardless of that, I have Buffalo selecting uh, Marco Rossi with their eighth pick. Uh, yeah, um, so do I. And just to touch on what you're saying about um, like Jack Eichel and Buffalo just being completely like the most Buffalo thing ever. Um, Jack Eichel, all he has to say is uh, David Krejci is a free agent next year, and uh, there's a center spot open on the Bruins. Uh, if you if we could somehow get him to Boston, that'd be unbelievable. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I also have um, Rossi going um, to Buffalo Sabres. And uh, this guy, I mean, 5'9", 182. He's from Austria, so you don't see that very much, especially in the top 10 in the NHL draft. But uh, obviously, a skilled player, offensive forward. Um, he could have success. on Buffalo, I, I'm going to think they're going to need to pick a good player in this draft. So they have a lot to think about coming up to this. Yeah, the pressure's never been uh, higher on Buffalo right now. Um, Rossi's been a, a very solid player in the, Ontario, in the Ontario Hockey League, playing for the Ottawa 67s. He recorded last season uh, 120 points in 56 games, which is obviously outstanding, 39 goals. Uh, NHL comparison is someone like Braden Point, which, uh, again, if you have someone that turns into a Braden Point at eighth overall, I don't think anyone's complaining, so... Uh, Rossi to Buffalo seems like the most natural fit for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just like Brady Point, uh, we saw it today in a exhibition game. He was an unbelievable player. I believe he also scored. He scored two goals today. So a guy like that, speedy, uh, quick, and um, can play all over the offensive zone. Just drive uh, defensive defenseman crazy. Um, if he can do that in the NHL, uh, he'll have a very successful career. Yeah, exactly. Uh... That kind of rounds out the uh, first eight picks of the draft. We will do more once we know uh, what team is selecting where. It's kind of hard to 
give our picks. We don't know which team is picking. So uh, after that, we're going to move on now, and we'll do the uh, our opinions on the Calder Trophy race. Uh, this one, I mean, I think this is as close as a Calder race as I've seen in a while as well. Uh, the three nominees are uh, Quinn Hughes from the Vancouver Canucks, Kale McCarr from the Colorado Avalanche, and Dominic Kubalik from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, a couple of other guys worth mentioning with great rookie seasons, Victor Olofsson in Buffalo, who we talked about multiple times throughout the season on this podcast, uh, Adam Fox in New York, Nick Suzuki in Montreal, someone like Martin Neckass in Carolina, Duriskani, uh, Dennis Gurionov in Dallas, but uh, the three finalists were Hughes, McCarr, and Kubalik, and uh, all rightfully so. They had great seasons. Uh, all season, I said it was McCarr. I think Quinn Hughes has narrowed the gap to where it's razor thin, but I still think McCarr takes it. If I had to, if I had a vote, my vote was going to McCarr. Yeah, it's really tough for, to pick this one. I mean, either way it goes, um, it seems like a split 50-50, and one side is going to be really mad, one side is going to be really happy. Like, uh, it, it it usually is for everything, but yeah, I think it's kind of a, a two-headed two-headed race. I mean, Kubelik, obviously a great season, um, scored a good, really good amount of goals uh, this year, but um, it's just, he's, I don't think he's even close to um, Makar or Hughes. So I would also give it to Makar, um, but Hughes, I mean, it's, I really like seeing that, especially from an American defenseman, uh, what he did this year, and especially with his brother coming in the year this, this season this year. Um, Everyone thought he was going to be the big guy, and then Quinn Hughes stepped up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just to go over their stats real quick, Quinn Hughes played 68 games, 8 goals, 45 assists for 53 points. Uh, McCarr was 57 games, obviously got hurt for a bit. 12 goals, 38 assists for 50 points in 57 games. Um, they both averaged, uh, McCarr averaged 21 minutes of ice time a game, where Hughes's was 21.53 seconds. Uh, I hear a lot of people these days saying plus minus is sort of a useless stat. I don't think it means what it used to, I guess you could say, or what everyone thought it did at one point, but I wouldn't say it's useless. Uh, Kale McCarr being a rookie defenseman and coming in at a plus 12 is very impressive to me still. Uh... He had a 9.9 shooting percentage, which is ridiculous for a defenseman, to Quinn Hughes' 6.3. And uh, as far as plus-minus goes, Hughes was a minus 10. And like I said, it's not a end-all, be-all stat, but it is something to consider, and it has a lot more value than a lot of people are saying it does these days. Yeah, exactly. And um, people people always say, that, oh, McCarr's on the better team. Uh, he has also better defensemen he's lined up with. And uh, Quinn Hughes gets put in tougher situations, stuff like that. But you can honestly say that about Every player, every team, you can say something about all of it for all like the races, all the awards. So, um, but yeah, uh, I all I think about is McCarr last year in the playoffs. Even though I don't, it doesn't count towards this year. But how good he was and how uh, how much he had changed that uh, Colorado defense score, defensive core. So I give it to McCarr. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think McCarr gets it. He's just, uh, I said, he's an absolutely unbelievable talent, Kale McCarr, and just so much fun to watch. Not that Quinn Hughes. Or Kubalik is not. They're both obviously unbelievable, and they'll all be great players in this league for a very long time. But I just think, I, I mean, said everyone's entitled to their own opinion. We both agree on Makar. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Hughes, but uh, I, I do believe it will be Makar. Uh, moving on now, we're going to 
adjust to the NHL playing round, kind of go over what that'll be like, give all our picks for that. Obviously, it's just such a unique situation. You've never seen this, you know, all the hub city, everyone's in the bubble right now. Uh, we have playing games going on right now. We've got the Blues and the Blackhawks are actually playing right now live as we record this, 0-0 in the second period. But uh, from what I've seen so far, there's been a lot of sloppy defense, and I think that good players will, like the natural skill players, will be able to just kind of dominate for, I'll say a little while, kind of just until, you know, defensemen every that catch back up on track. But if you look at the games so far, uh, Kucherov and Point both had two goals and two assists today in Tampa's game. Uh, McDavid had two goals last night. Uh, unbelievable goal on a second one. Just no luck through the five hole. Uh, Ovechkin with two goals and an assist today. Uh, McKinnon looks like he's in midseason form already with his goal. Just absolutely flying through the center uh, center of the ice, picking up the pass from Landis Cog and then just firing one uh, near side. But uh, I think... It'll be a lot different than we're used to. I don't think the speed in general will be up to play or on par for NHL playoffs anywhere close to that. But I think that the skilled, dominant players will be able to create space for themselves as players are a little more uh, hesitant to – you know, you you want to give them the space. You don't want to get burned. You don't want to look bad. You don't want to put your team in a bad situation. So I think right off the bat it'll be very very slower and just kind of the skilled players controlling the game type of play. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, what I'm noticing is that the younger guys as well, um, they are just, they seem more ready and uh, more ready to go. And they seem faster uh, than like the older veterans. So, I mean, but that could all change once uh, they start playing two to three games. Once you get those games in, um, uh, everything could all change. And the speed um, kind of looks like today and yesterday, like exhibition games, like preseason games. And this pretty much is. And that's why they play the the, the warm-up games. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Um, I'm very excited for the round robin as well as the playing games. Um, it it's, should be a lot of fun. I'm glad hockey's back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just said it's, it's, it's such a cool feeling to have hockey back. We've never seen anything like this. No fans. Uh, as far as the young players go, like you said, uh, especially at training camp, I noticed. Obviously, I follow the Rangers more intensely than – any other team as a Rangers fan. And I just heard everyone at camp raving about how much more confident, how much faster Capo Cacos looked. Uh, I think just all rookies in general, like you said, this is pretty much essentially a, like they're coming in for their second season type thing. They had four months off. They got a taste of NHL hockey. They know what it's like. They're all well-rested now. So they, they kind of know what to expect. Obviously, they've never had a playoff hockey experience, but I don't even know if this will be exactly like playoff hockey that the fans, I mean, I think it'll gear up as we go, and by the time we get to even the second or third round, it'll feel pretty much like full-on playoff hockey, but I don't think you can expect that kind of performance out of everyone, especially in the first round or in the play-in, in the play-in games or in the round robin, but uh, I think this, I agree the young guys will have a uh, an advantage that they didn't have coming into the year with the uh, playing experience and the young quick legs. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, definitely no fans. Kind of when you're watching the game, like, I'm really focused. Like, I haven't seen them playing forever, so I'm really focused on just the play overall. But you always love hearing, like, the crowd, like, on a two-on-one. Like, they get loud and they cheer and then uh, want to save or a goal. Like, the crazy crazy noise the crowd makes. So um, I think players are going to miss that as well. But, yeah, for the young guys... Uh, there's no pressure of fans, uh, 20,000 fans watching you, and so they can play. It's kind of like more freely, kind of like kind of like pickup hockey right now, to be honest. So I think that's what gives them advantage. 
Yeah, exactly. Do you want to go into our uh, breakdown of the first uh, first round right now for the uh, Eastern Conference, then do the West? Sure, we'll both give our picks. Okay, uh, I guess we'll be starting first round. We'll start in the East. We're going to do uh, Toronto and Columbus. Uh, I think Toronto is as happy as any team has ever been on this first round matchup right now, strictly because they're not having to play Boston, who has just seemingly dominated them in the first round seemingly every year. So uh, I do like Toronto in this series. I think that Columbus is a much better team than they've been given credit for. They're going to be healthy now for the first time in a while. They weren't healthy pretty much all season. But uh, I still like Toronto in this series. I think they're the better team. Uh, I think that they will just thrive off the adrenaline of not having to play Boston, essentially. And uh, I think they come out in four games. Remember, these are five-game series as well, not seven. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for me, uh, this series is really up in the air just because I know what happened last year with Columbus and Tampa Bay, and obviously Columbus is missing key players from last year's playoff run. But um, um, I like would still like guys like Seth Jones back down defense. Like He's such a good player. He can control the whole game. Um, I think the Leafs win, but I think it's in five games. But I think it's going to be a very good um, low-scoring series. Yeah, it should be very interesting to see. Obviously, all these teams are playing their uh, warm-up games either yesterday, today, you know, moving forward. But uh, yes, you really you don't know exactly what to say. The the question mark for Columbus right now is in net. You don't know who it's going to be. Uh, it could be. Uh, I think it'll be Merzlikens, but there's uh, no way of knowing. Uh, Cor- Corpus Allo has had a great year as well, so I- I'm not really sure who it's going to be. But I'm going to give it to uh, Merzlikens. Uh, yeah, I would as well. So, like the guy went off, uh, was doing really good, uh, co- kind of holding Columbus down that playoff spot as for as long as it could before um, the season abruptly came to an end. And um, yeah, his stats were unbelievable for a rookie. Yeah, uh, Toronto does go into that series as minus one seventy five favorites. So uh, rightfully so, they are the favorite in the series. They are projected to win, but uh, definitely some value there in Columbus if you do uh, if you do like them. Uh, plus 145 is definitely valuing them. Uh, second series we'll go on to is the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I don't think any series will be a sweep. I think every team will get at least one game. But uh, if there was, if I did have to pick a sweep, this is it. I think Pittsburgh is the far better team. And really the only thing, not the only thing, but the only chance I'd say that Montreal has is if Carey Price just absolutely stands on his head. Oh uh, yeah, I believe uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I can actually see them sweeping Montreal just because Montreal, like, they had no chance of making the playoffs this year if uh, the season didn't end the way it did. And um, I think, like, honestly, Montreal's biggest factor when they make the playoffs and like is their home ice advantage with their fans because obviously going to Montreal is like very tough on opposing teams and like it's loud and the fans are crazy. Everyone knows that and like that's their biggest thing. They thrive off that. So with no fans from Montreal and they have no, they don't really like huge skill guys on their team. And Pittsburgh has four or five. Um, I think Pittsburgh uh, wins this game in three, or I, I could see four, but I don't think it's going five games. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Pittsburgh's minus two fifty-five favorites, so you get pretty much no value in that series betting on Pittsburgh. But I do think they win the series. I think they're the better team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run at the Cup as well. 
Um, next series in the East, we have the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. Such an intriguing series. On one end, you have the Florida Panthers who just score at will and give up a bunch of goals. And you have the Islanders who play essentially like 2-1 hockey games all the time. So, so you have a team that scores a lot and gives up a lot versus a team that doesn't score a lot and doesn't give up a lot. So it should be very interesting. Uh Sergey Bobrovsky did not look good today, giving up five goals against Tampa. I know it's Tampa. I know it's the first game back, and it doesn't really actually mean anything. But uh, I don't know. Florida just looked all all kinds of sloppy today, all around the ice. Bobrovsky didn't get much help. Uh, I like the Islanders to win this series right now. They're minus one thirty favorites. I think it's going to be the Islanders in five games. Yeah, Florida's all season long. Everyone thought, oh, they're going to get Bobrovsky, and then they're not going to let as many goals. So they'll be. Everyone thought they like they'd be. In the Atlantic Division, at least in that four spot, uh, could be top three, but um, but yeah, Bobrovsky hasn't been like he was last year, especially in the playoffs last year against Tampa. Um, I'm not really liking them, and I don't know really what they did at the end of the season last this year when they traded away one of their best players. It didn't really make sense to me, but and I I'm taking the Islanders all day here. They just don't let up a lot of goals, and um, they have they have key veteran guys that can shut uh, shut Florida down. How many games get the Islanders in? Uh, four games. Islanders in four. All right. Uh, moving on now, we have the next series in the Eastern Conference, and that is my favorite team, the New York Rangers against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the Rangers dominated the season series, sweeping the Hurricanes 4 nothing. They are plus 115 favorites currently. Uh, I love the Rangers in this series. Yes, I'm a Rangers fan. Yes, I'm biased. I have the Rangers in five games. Uh, I think they are just the more skilled team. Uh, there's question marks and net on both ends of this series, but uh, obviously the Rangers is not as big a deal as they're just, I'd say, better goal. I think the Rangers honestly have the three best goalies in this series with Shesterkin, Hank, and uh, Georgiev. So you know, either Mrazek or Reimer is probably starting for Carolina. But uh, I don't know. I like the Rangers in five games. Uh, I think it will be Shesterkin going for the Rangers. Uh, he was just so good at the end of the year. Obviously, I understand Hank's success against Carolina throughout his career, and it's his last chance, but I still, and I wouldn't complain if they give Hank the nod, especially for game one and see where it goes, but I, I think it will be Shesterkin for the Rangers. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say the Rangers uh, in four for this series. Uh, I really like them. They have a lot of momentum coming in, and they're getting, um, I believe they're getting Crowder back, correct? Yeah, Crowder's back. I mean, every pretty much every team's getting everyone back. But yeah, Crowder's back in the lineup. Yeah, so uh, with that, with Crowder being back in the lineup, he's a huge piece uh, to their team. And uh, Panarin's a Ben uh, uh Looks like they're just battling to see who get the most points out there every night. So um, I really like the Rangers in, in four games this series, and I I just don't think Carolina has it. And when they their games today, they lost three two to Washington Capitals. I know it's an exhibition game, but. I, their offense was never really there for me when I was watching the game. There's no excitement, so and uh, the Rangers can bring a lot of excitement. So I really like the, the Rangers uh, in this first series. Yeah, I agree with that exactly. Uh, Carolina did look relatively flat today. The Rangers will play tonight. Obviously, I'll be tuned in for that. Uh, I can't wait just to watch another Ranger hockey game. It's been forever. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they had the five-on-three goal, which obviously – you know, power play is important, but hopefully, I'm praying the Rangers are never surrendering a five on three in this five game series. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen, but I just thought the offense in general, the five on flow, five on five flow of the Canes wasn't completely there. So I agree with that. We both had the Rangers in the first round. Uh, 
moving on to the Western Conference now. We just did all four Eastern Conference series. We have the Chicago Blackhawks and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I think this will be a great series. Uh, I mean, there's no lack of talent on either end. Obviously, you have McDavid, Drysaddle, you got Kane, Taze, you got someone like Kubalik, obviously, alt for the Calder, but. I think the Oilers win this. Uh, it's in Edmonton. I know it's really not that big of an effect on it, but uh, I just feel like McDavid was just unbelievable that night, and I feel like he will continue to be unbelievable throughout the playoffs. He, uh, I mean, he looked like he never missed a beat, and I, I have them winning the series. You have to lay minus one seventy-five on them. It's a lot to lay. It's a lot of juice, but I think they are the better team all around, and I think they get it done. Yeah, I couldn't agree any more. I mean. Uh... Like McDavid and Drysaddle, like they're they both had I believe over a hundred points this season, uh, and just like seven seventy one games, something like that. Um, so like they're they're kind of like Taze and Kane, uh, like nine nine ten years ago now. So it's kind of flipped, and yeah, I got um I got Edmonton in four as as well. Um, just like I don't think Chicago really has it anymore. I mean, they still like Kane, like he's still one of the best players in the world, but. Um, when you're going against McDavid and Drysaddle, and then Drysaddle's really clicking with his two line mates now, um, and we haven't really seen Athanasiu play that much for the Edmonton Oilers. So if he gets going with his speed, um, I think Edmonton can actually make a push uh, uh, for the Western Conference uh, Championships. Yeah, one of the few guys not playing in this series, not because of opting out, is Andrew Shaw, which is definitely a noticeable loss for the Blackhawks, especially in playoff hockey. He's uh, got experience, won Stanley Cup before, so that's definitely tough for them. He's dealing with concussion uh, problems, so he'll be ready to go for next season, but another person worth mentioning not in the series. Uh, the next series, we have the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, and at first when this series came out, I, I thought it was going to be the tightest series. I thought it was going to be a great series, you know, very close, very down to the wire, but the more I think of it, the more I like Winnipeg. They're minus 105, so decent value on them to take the series. I honestly... Honestly, the more the more I thought about it, the more I've loved Winnipeg. I think the Jets won it in four games. Yeah, I personally have the Winnipeg Jets also winning in uh, in four games. Um, Calgary, like their goal scorers, like their best players, like John Gaudreau, Gaudreau had an awful season in my eyes. And uh, Winnipeg, they have a very strong core and a very, very good goalie who could win the Vezina this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Calgary, uh, they haven't been the, the best team this year. So I got Winnipeg all day. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. Uh, next series here, we have the Arizona Coyotes and the Nashville Predators. Uh, the Coyotes had a solid season. I think the Predators underachieved a little bit in the regular season. But uh, I still have them to win this series. They're minus 135 favorites. They have much more playoff experience. Uh, they have another question mark in goal, whether it will be Saros or Rene. Saros definitely carried a majority of the load this year down the stretch and was a better goalie for most of the season. But I think Rene will get the start in game one for them. And uh, I think they take the series in five games. Yeah, I actually have uh, Arizona win this series in five games. Um, I just need uh, – I think it would be exciting seeing them go on because, um, like, we – when you think of playoffs, you never really think of the Arizona Coyotes. So, um, it'd be, I, they do have very good players too. So, I mean, uh, anything can happen in this series. But uh, yeah, I think Nashville they weren't that great this season. Um, and Arizona they got Taylor Hall, and they actually, it looks like they actually became worse once they got Taylor Hall somehow this year. But they've had a they've had a break, and Taylor Hall hopefully is rejuvenated and um, he can bring them to win this series. And like I said, yeah, five games Arizona Coyotes. 
Uh, last series we have here is the Vancouver Canucks and the Minnesota Wild. And uh, I can't say the Rangers is my favorite series because I'm a Rangers fan. And uh, so I'd say this is my favorite series in terms of who I like. I love Vancouver in this series. I think they're they're actually bet down to minus 140 right now. I was able to grab them at minus 130 a little while ago. But uh, I still love them at minus 140. I think they are the far superior team. Minnesota definitely surprising people this year. I definitely didn't have Minnesota making the playoffs at the start of the year. Uh, obviously, I didn't expect it to be a 2014 playoff. But uh, I think they surprised a lot of people, and they're actually building towards – uh, a much better future than I thought they were, but I still love Vancouver in this series. I love Pedersen, Besser, JT Miller had a great year. Markstrom was unbelievable in net. Uh, everything about Vancouver I love, so I'm, I'm going with them in this series in uh, in only four games. I like this this series to me. Like It's going to be a very good series. I think uh, Minnesota was a little underrated, but I think Vancouver is the better team. Um, they're just faster. Um, they get the better. I think they have the better talent as well. Um, and Pedersen, like, he's unbelievable. And then they got Quinn Hughes on the back end, who's, um, if he keeps up with this regular season, I think uh, should, um, Vancouver should have no problem beating Minnesota. And I have them in four games, but I would not be surprised if it went five. Yeah, I mean, I just honestly can't wait for hockey to be back in general. I feel like it's been seemingly talked about for so long. Uh, just, I mean, everything's about to be back to normal. It's, it's going to be an unbelievable feeling to be watching competitive hockey again not that these games haven't been great right now not that i haven't enjoyed having it back in general but real competitive playoff hockey is right around the corner and it's something that uh i mean i i personally can't think of anything like there's no better time in the year for me than playoff hockey time so i'm very ecstatic yeah i cannot wait for a saturday afternoon at noon i mean it's gonna be unbelievable uh it's hockey pretty much uh 10 hours a day for like two weeks straight uh, to start the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be, I cannot wait. I'm very excited. And uh, it's been a long time coming. I just hope uh, everyone in the bubble uh, stays healthy uh, so we can finish this and then uh, some award Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, exactly. The uh, The awarding of the Stanley Cup will obviously be so hard to picture with no fans. Uh, there'll be no parade, anything like that, which is just so weird to think. But, uh, I think that this team. I think that I think it'll be looked looked upon as there's only one quarantine 2020 COVID-19 Stanley Cup winner. So this will be one of the most memorable playoffs maybe ever. Like everyone will always remember this playoffs, and I think that's unique on its own. Everyone will remember this Stanley Cup winner. So obviously it won't be as exciting in terms of the aspect of having no fans there. But at the end of the day, it's still the cup. Everyone's going to be trying just as hard as if they weren't. And it's uh, it's said it's going to be unbelievably exciting, and I can't wait to get it going. Uh, yep, um, definitely, uh, I definitely agree with you there. And like, I think NHL is a really good opportunity here to expand their um, expand like some get some new fans that don't really watch the NHL, especially with the MLB. Um, who knows if they're going to finish the season? They got off to a very rough start. Um, so if they can get some MLB fans that don't really watch the NHL, uh, they can get they can get them watching some hockey games. Um, it should be very good news for the NHL going forward. Yeah, uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up here. It's been a great first episode back. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, as always, if you guys have any questions for us for next episode, you can always uh, tweet at us, send us direct messages. My Twitter handle is CRatner15, and uh, Jeff's is Jeff underscore Lyford. So uh, with that, guys, we'll uh, see you in a couple weeks, and uh, I'm glad we were able to do this.
Yep. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in, guys. I mean, uh, Watson play of hockey. It's pretty much on all day, every day now. So um, uh, enjoy it, and uh, let's go Bruins. Yeah. Last but not least, if you guys do need any. Uh, uh, gambling advice, stuff like that for these games. I'm going to be watching all of them as much as I can and putting, giving out my picks for you guys. If you want them, just ask. I'll, uh, I'll send out my picks for you guys, as will Jeff. Uh, let's go Rangers. See you later, guys.